0: Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship with yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Janie is a nationally respected psychotherapist, and on this show, she and her featured guests will help you discover and break patterns in your life that can contribute to self-sabotage and unhealthy relationships. Now here is Dr. Janie Lacey.
1: Hello, hello. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. You know, there has been a noticeable uptick when it comes to couples seeking therapy during the coronavirus times and and many other discoveries, partner affairs, porn addiction, and other uh, betrayals. So I wanted to bring you none other than my special guest here because we are in for a treat to be able to have one of the top experts in the world help us understand how do we get through betrayal? How do we get through what... A lot of people have gone through during these coronavirus times and discovered something that has shaken up their world. So, I want to share with you a little bit about my guest today before um, we bring her on and talk um, about what's happening today. You know, Dr. Stephanie Carnes, she is the president of the International Institute for Trauma and Addiction Professionals. And she's a senior fellow at one of the top facilities in the world, The Meadows. Where she works with addicted clients and their families. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist and an American association, um, and an American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy approved supervisor. So she supervises those that are seeking licensure. And Dr. Carnes is also a clinical sexologist, a certified sex addiction therapist and supervisor, and she specializes in. Therapy for couples and families struggling with sexually compulsive. Behavior. She's the author of numerous publications, including her books, Mending a Shattered Heart, which I have right here, um, a guide for partners of sex addicts, and a book that I use very often here, Facing Heartbreak, which is steps to recovery for partners of sex addicts, and then also Facing Addiction, um, starting recovery from alcohol and drugs, and her newest book, Courageous Love, A Couple's Guide to Conquering a Betrayal. And she's also a mother to two boys, from a mother, I have to mention that she's a mother of a boy, we're boy moms, of two boys, Brayden and Justin, and she's not only my mentor, but she's also a friend. So let's welcome Dr. Stephanie Carnes.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Janie. I'm delighted to be here.
1: And we are certainly delighted that that you are here. We're super excited because no um, one other than you can help us really understand that couples can survive and they can even thrive, you know, after they experience betrayal in their relationships. And I know here we've had um, challenges with couples just coming from... Um, through the coronavirus when we're on lockdown and they're not going to work and they're now looking at their partners and their family and they're discovering and seeing a lot of different things, um, including a fair discovery. We've had an uptick um, and we've been busier than ever with the uptick. So, you know, one of the things that I really enjoy about or enjoyed about reading the Courageous Love um, book, and I'm so excited to have this and to share this with clients, is that you have a carefully curated evidence-based process through the healing journey. And I think um, if you can help us understand what was the the what, the why, and and how um, you came about uh, creating courageous love. Sure. So
2: as a sexologist and sex addiction therapist I, and a marriage and family therapist, I work with a lot of couples that are in distress. And so um, what I've found over the years is very typical problems and patterns that couples face. And so I started to create a, sort of a protocol and a pathway for them to start healing and found tools that really work with getting couples through betrayal. And, you know, obviously it's such a devastating thing for couples to go through. Uh, But as you mentioned, couples can get through it and they can actually become stronger in the end if they really work very hard on it. Um, And so it is possible to heal and recover from, you know, all recovery from porn addiction, sex addiction, infidelity. So the book actually addresses all of those.
1: So when we we know that you know just sexual betrayal is is devastating you know it, it shatters the connection the trust and the security that people believe that they have um, in relationship and then to even have a desire or a want to even explore how to work and to deal with it uh, alone to me, it takes courage, um, which is is why, you know, the name of your book, just Courageous Love, I think it's such a strong, strong, strong name. So, but I think it's important for people to also understand, like, when we talk about sexual betrayal, I mean, what exactly would be some different examples of, of sexual betrayal, right? I mentioned affairs through coronavirus, but what would be some other things that this book would help couples if they identified with sexual betrayal in particular?
2: Yeah, well, right now, um, with the digital world and technology the way it is, there are so many different ways for people to, um, you know, act out sexually. And like you mentioned the coronavirus, if you look at statistics around pornography right now during the coronavirus, it's up, uh, porn use is up 18%. And for many partners, they look at that as an infidelity. And so, in many people find that when they get into uh, using porn and, and um, for, for some people, not everybody that uses porn, uh, you know, develops a problematic or compulsive use as a result, but a percentage of them do. And for partners, they can, you know, they continue to see their loved one going back to that over and over again. It becomes traumatic, just like a, an infidelity. So, It could be porn addiction, it could be a a sex addiction or a compulsive sexual behavior disorder, or it could just be regular infidelity. Um, And all of those are uniquely painful. Um, And so, you know, with uh, many of the different apps we have these days, like Tinder and, you know, there are many sexual hookup apps, and it's so easy in our current uh, day where we have a culture that is trending towards a lot of virtual and non-relational sex that it's very easy to find uh, partners. Um, and so infidelity is on the rise.
1: So then with some of the the couples, when you talk about just some of the apps and um, the, the types of things that are going, that couples are finding that they consider betrayal. It's just not the physical act of betrayal. You know, you discuss in the book that one of the first steps towards healing is for both partners to understand that the betrayed partner is traumatized. And for someone listening, what does that mean? And why is that important in the healing process that, you know, that they may find that their partner's on a dating app or um, talking sexually to someone on social media, that it's not just the act of a physical... Um, betrayal that could be traumatizing. Could you speak to us a little bit about that?
2: Sure. Yeah. Uh, To someone that hasn't experienced uh, infidelity or, uh, you know, uh, an addiction in their loved one, it may be hard to kind of wrap their heads around that. But research has really shown that uh, partners uh, going through discovering their loved one has acted out uh, sexually, uh, they actually have PTSD symptoms. And it's measurable and about, it's about 70%. And so um, I don't think our culture really has recognized uh, very well how significant an impact, an emotional impact that this has on betrayed partners. It's devastating for them. And many people don't talk about it. They don't get the support that they need because they're uh, afraid to talk about it. But, you know, for example, just the types of symptoms they have, is, you know, just things like difficulty concentrating, you know, they, they, they'll they um, think about it a lot. They'll be very afraid for that the, the acting out is continuing. And so they'll, you know, kind of uh, um, often I call it safety seeking behaviors. Well, they'll kind of track what's going on with their loved one. Are they still cheating? They'll check in their emails and things like that because they don't feel safe in the relationship. So we have a very common set of symptoms um, that partners have. And one of the things that the research has shown is about 72% of partners actually have significant functional impairment, meaning it's hard for them to get through their daily lives. Um, You know, hard to get up, go to work and, you know, just function. And so that is a very, it's very under-recognized, but that more and more studies are coming out to show that how devastating this is for partners. And it's really been something that's been under-recognized for many, many years. And so what I try to do with the book, because the book is really a guide for couples to work together. So I want both parties to understand that this is a trauma and to really recognize it and educate them about what the normal symptoms are. I want the, um, part, the person that was unfaithful, I call in the book, uh, the persistent, participating partner that participated uh, in the acting out, um, I want that person to really acknowledge and empathize with the betrayed party that, um, and really um, try and have uh, compassion and understanding of how difficult it is for them. And that, and to get educated on PTSD symptoms, and that these are normal, and to learn to respond sensitively to their hurting partner. That's very important. And to, and for the hurting partner to, you know, have that normalized and validated. This is normal. That you're experiencing these things. It's very difficult. Um, so that um, you know, that's the first step is just acknowledging that this is traumatic for the partner, and for the, for the um, participating party to really be empathic and compassionate towards that. So that's kind of step one in the book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you talk about PTSD, so post-traumatic uh, stress disorder um, symptoms. So for someone that may be listening and they are in that process of going through betrayal, recovery, what would what would it look like in a practical sense so that they can know that some of these, some of these um, symptoms could be, be normal. I mean, what would be some examples of that?
2: So just one thing that's very normal is just emotional dysregulation, feeling very emotional um, about it. And it's very common to fluctuate between um, you know, our partners are our safe havens in our lives. Right. And typically, so we want to connect with them because you, um, you know, when we're facing struggles, we seek attachment. That's what we want to do. So we want to connect with them yet at the same time, that's the person that hurt us. And so it's very common to be kind of going back and forth emotionally about the relationship. It's very common to be kind of ambivalent about the relationship, um, emotional, angry is, you know, to have, you know, uh, anger about the situation. That's very common. It's also, and one thing that betrayed partners do um, is they internalize the situation and make it about them that, you know, it it impacts their self-esteem and their sense of self-worth. Like why wasn't I good enough? Or why was it, didn't he or she choose me? Um, You know, so they'll start to take it on and, um, feel like it's uh, about them when often it's not, you know, in many cases. Right. Um, and so, uh, there, there's a lot of those kind of kind of symptoms. Another one that's very common is feelings of grief and loss because they've lost a lot. They've lost the relationship that they thought they had, you know, the vision of their life that they thought that they were going to have their whole world is blown apart. And so it's, um, you know, And also they have a lot of consequences. If their loved one is an addict and has had financial consequences or job losses and uh, relationship consequences or health consequences, a lot of times the partners are experiencing all those consequences. So they're reeling with all of this. And yet oftentimes they have to present to the community like everything is going on like normal. And many people feel like they cannot, they have to take this to their grave. They can't talk to anybody about this. So that's very challenging situation for them to be in. And um, so I, I really encourage partners, if, if you're out there and you're listening to this, um, you really should at least find a few people in your life that you can talk to. Um, and get support from. And, um, you know, I usually encourage partners to choose people that aren't going to judge them, whether they stay with the person or not. Because there are some people that, you know, just they don't understand betrayal very much, and they will pass judgments or tell people what to do, when really the couple is the only, you know, the two people in the couple are the only two people that should you know, can really decide whether it's right for them? So, um, you know, really to try and find some non judgmental support people. And many times, there's in all over the US, there's a lot more betrayed partner groups too in, in psychotherapy practices where you could get in a women's group, or even they have some men's groups, um, you know, now as well. It's starting, it's you know, very common for men to also be the. A betrayed partner. Um, and so, you know, there's diff- a lot of different resources out there that partners can access that can help them get through it and get support that they need.
1: So, you mentioned a good point that uh, men can also be the betrayed partner. So, this workbook is for couples, and the betrayed person could be female or male. Yes. And it's
2: also, I, I've written it, so it's also for gay clients. Uh, Straight clients. So there's, you know, I tried to be very um, inclusive in my examples in the book. (laughs) Sure.
1: (laughs) You know, one of the things I I think of, you made a a comment um, or statement around uh, safety seeking behaviors. And I think about like there's so many different movies. A lot of people during Corona time is watching more Netflix than ever. And there's so many movies that make things either funny or um, abnormal, but so when you talk about when it comes to betrayal and affairs, right? Because it's very entertaining. But when it's people's life, it's not as entertaining. So when someone is doing these safety-seeking behaviors that you referred to, if you can share with us a little bit of what that means and and why does that happen? So if a couple is listening and they are on, they're coming back from uh, betrayal, that they will understand that that even has a part in the healing process. Yeah, absolutely. So it's very
2: it's very, very normal to do this. And I, I, in, I, if I had to give it like a estimate just from my clinical experience, it's like 40%, or I'm sorry, like 80% of partners do this, where when they first initially find out about the betrayal, they will start to seek information and, and oftentimes even collect information, like evidence about it. So they might go into their partner's email or or track them or look at phone receipts and things like that they'll gather data and really what part of that is is when they've been lied to or and gaslighted by the other party, party they're trying to reclaim reality about what the truth is and what it's not, so they have to put the pieces of the puzzle back together of what actually has happened, and they'll often have a lot of questions for the party, which I'm sure we'll get to <laughs> as we talk more about the book. But um, so they'll seek uh, information, and really, what they're trying to do in many cases is figure out: is is this still going on? Is it safe to me for me to recommit to this relationship? What's really because their trust has been broken, right, and they've been lied to, so. When you've been lied to repeatedly and the person says, oh, no, I've told you everything, I've told you everything, and then you find out more, which is usually the case, is that the information comes out and drips and drabs over time, the partner doesn't know what to believe. And so they start to seek this information to see if this is if it's safe. And what I encourage the um, acting out partner to do is to be completely Open and transparent about this. They need to take steps to demonstrate, first of all, that the um, acting out is over. The inf- you know, if it was infidelity, the infidelity is ended. If it's porn, there's filters on the computers. Whatever it is, they have to demonstrate, you know, that uh, change has occurred and provide verification of that, and also allow um, for transparency and be able to provide reassurance to their hurting partner so that they know that, you know, that it's okay to, you know, reenter that relationship and it, it hopefully will be safe again at some point. And so one of the things that, I tell all of my, I I do uh, groups with sex addicts at, uh, at the Meadows. (laughs) You mentioned that I work there and I really try to educate them on how to respond sensitively to their partners. And I tell them the only way to restore trust, the only way is reliable behavior over time. You know, you have to be open, transparent, um, you know, really, uh, um, your actions have to match up with your words. You have to be impeccable with your words because this is a long-term healing process and you have to show and demonstrate that you are committed to the relationship. And because we're asking a lot for that betrayed person to reinvest emotionally after they've been hurt. And so the unfaithful party has to really um, demonstrate that, the, that it's safe. So that's a very important part of it.
1: Absolutely. And um, you're just educating us because you're bringing up all these terms that uh, probably some of our listeners are hearing for the first time. But one of the reactions that you discussed in the book and you just made a, a reference to it, um, I believe you talk about it when you're talking about confusion, is you talk about the term gaslighting. Um, and, and if someone has never heard that term and they're trying to understand that uh, confusion around betrayal in the relationship, like what does gaslighting mean? And what does it look like if um, someone was looking at how it plays out in their relationship?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give you a good case example. So this is a couple that I worked with outpatient. So this was a couple, the, the male in the, in the coupleship had had four affairs. And then they got in, you know, he recommitted to the relationship. We were doing couples therapy and we were about a year and a half in to couples therapy. And she started to be suspicious that he was having another affair, and so she um, looked on his phone and checked his phone, and he found out. And his response to her was, "You are such a grudge holder. When are you going? You keep on dragging us back through this. You keep on pulling us back. You're never going to let us heal. You never let this go, and you know what have you? And the very next morning, she found out." he was having an affair. So it's a gaslighting is the sky is not blue. I do not know what you're talking about. You know, it's a, it's a very, it's crazy making it's lying and manipulating in a way that's very crazy making. And it causes people to doubt. Their reality. It comes from an old black and white movie uh, where this guy drives this woman crazy because he's turning on and off the lights and saying he's not doing it. So that's where the term comes from.
1: I believe uh, he was flicking the light, right? Yeah, (laughs) flicking the light on, right. So then pretty much it's kind of like making them think they're crazy. And it's a way to kind of, from what I'm hearing you say, it's a way to kind of push the responsibility back on them. And then they start questioning their reality when in fact, there's a lot of truth to it. So there's something to be said about our intuitive uh, nature that that happens in that crazy making process um, is from what I'm hearing you say. Yep, that's right. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. So then um, before we, we, we take a, a break here in a minute, I mean, what would be some other common reactions to just betrayal um, when we talked about the confusion and the gaslighting and that would be there? Would there be some other common reactions that you see when it comes to betrayal and your healing of couples?
2: Well, it's pretty normal um, for people to withdraw uh, from intimacy and sexuality as well, obviously, because there's that lack of, you know, that trust has been damaged. And so obviously it causes kind of a rift in that attachment and that safe place. And a lot of partners will um, maybe um, also have some concerns about, you know, body image issues or things like that that can get wrapped up into that. And so it can really hurt that very tender part of the couple, which is their intimacy together. And so that is another area that can be really impacted as well.
1: Yeah. So, so thank you so much, Dr. Carnes. We are going to take a two minute break and then we're going to come back and continue our conversation. We appreciate you taking this time and sharing and educating us, especially a lot of the couples that are coming out of uh, COVID that are dealing with uh, betrayals that they discovered during this time. So we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Are you often attracted to unavailable partners? Feel like you can't stay but can't leave a toxic relationship? Obsessed with thinking about a current or former lover? Feel resentful that you're always taking care of the other person? The Woman Redeemed Therapy Program is for women who want to break free from toxic relationship patterns so they can find the love they truly deserve. This program is a safe, nurturing environment essential for building self-worth and acquiring the tools to work through challenges and create your best self. We invite you to begin the journey today to start building the new you. Call 407 1770 or visit LifeCounselingSolutions.com. dot com. That's Life Counseling It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Let's Talk About It with Dr. Janie Lacey. To reach the show today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Janie at LifeCounselingSolutions.com. Now back to Let's Talk About It.
1: We are back to Let's Talk About It with Jane Lacy Lacey, and we are talking about it. You know, during the coronavirus times after COVID, there's been an uptick in couples seeking counseling and seeking support to work through a fair or sexual betrayal. And we have one of the top experts in the world here helping us break down um, the process and we are sharing her new book, Courageous Love and Helping Couples. And I love the subtitle, Conquering Betrayal, because that lets us know that there is hope and there is healing and that you can get to the other side of it. So let's welcome back uh, Dr. Stephanie Carnes. Thank you, Janie. You know, and it's very common for partners to not know or understand what they need during the shock of discovery. I know we see that with, with clients. Could you help us a little bit Um So if a partner that has experienced betrayal is watching or listening, what are some ways that the partner can identify like what they need during the shock period and and how to even communicate that? Because I think that's sometimes the most difficult time during that state of confusion, that state of shock to understand, well, what do I need and how can I communicate that? Right.
2: Well, one of the things that's really common is that partners will have a lot of questions about what's been happening. And, you know, they'll want to know, they'll have questions about the, if it was an affair about the affair, they'll want to know information about that, what, what they've been looking at online, and they'll start seeking information that that's been hidden from them. And so, um, this is a a extreme, like this happens also in about like 80% of cases. And so what ends up happening with a coupleship is it sets up a pretty dysfunctional dynamic in the relationship where the betrayed party is seeking information and asking a lot of questions about the betrayal to the unfaithful party and the unfaithful party is trying to like deny and avoid and, you know, doesn't want to hurt the partner more. They want to do damage control, you know, that type of thing. So they're trying to avoid answering the questions, which is infuriating for the betrayed party. Right. And so we, what, we really, what we try to do and what I try to take people through in, um, Courageous love is what we call the disclosure process. I I recommend that if couples are in that process, that they seek support from qualified therapists that um, can help them get that information out in a way that is least traumatic uh, as possible. And so there's information in the book about how to um, share information uh, about the betrayal um, in an appropriate manner. Some, sometimes one of the things that happens is, you know, too much details get dumped out on the betrayed partner, and that can increase their PTSD, or p- pieces of information are hidden and then they continue to come out later. And that's all very dysfunctional. So, what we recommend is that we rip the band aid off and we get the information out it, with the appropriate amount of detail. Uh, which is basically clear facts that doesn't that don't keep the partner guessing on what the heck happened, but not too much detailed information that's going to give them, you know, PTSD and, you know, cause them you know, more intrusive thinking about the event. And so, um, you know, I usually recommend that each party have a ther- a support therapist present. Um, If you are going to go and seek a disclosure, you want to make sure you do it with therapists that have training on how to do that, because it is kind of a delicate process. And so you really want them to have some skills in that. But uh, Courageous Love talks about that. And really, it's just important to get honest. So you stop this
1: dance between the couples. So let's actually talk about that. I think you talked about that in chapter two, and you walk us through understanding, uh, moving through betrayal, and um, even your subtitle, conquering betrayal, is is in that disclosure process. So people that may be listening or, or watching, um, and they may be thinking, like, why would I even do that? <laughs> like, why would I go and disclosure? To your point, can you help us understand, like, that being an important, pivotal part of the process um, that you walk? couples through in the book and having to have the professional support to do so?
2: Yeah. So there may be some partners out there that say, I don't, you know, I really don't want to know any information. And if that's the case, then that's, we always respect that what the partner's desire is around that. But the majority of partners want the information, you know, so what we see is that that, that then they start to ask about that. Um, And so um, basically what we encourage is that the addict um, or the, um, the unfaithful party, whatever you know, wh- whatever the situation is, is clearly write out the information in a very organized way and, and answers all the questions that the partner may have about that. Um, and so there's paperwork in the book that kind of provides some guidance in terms of what types of infor- what type of information to include how to get support includes in a format for that, where to find therapists that can help you with this. So, you know, there's, um, you know, so pretty good uh, information and guidelines in that chapter about how to share that information, because we know that it's traumatic. And we want to make sure that partners aren't further traumatized by what they hear Um, And so, you know, there's there's protocols that we put in place, like just making sure that both parties are safe. Both parties have support during that time. Um, You know, just simple things like that uh, that are important in preparation so that, you know, nobody becomes suicidal or goes to the hospital or anything like that. Right. So it's it is important to do it right and not make it worse.
1: I would imagine that you've also seen how um, people have done disclosures, not the right way, and it's been more harmful. I mean, what would be some examples of that people doing it in more of a harmful way than a way that's been helpful to them in their recovery? Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. So, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, dumping out all the
2: information, dumping out the details, dumping it out over time, like, you know, in drips and drabs. In couples therapy, we call that death by a million cuts right? (laughs) We call it staggered. It's staggered disclosure where you give a little bit and then you give a little bit more and then you give a little bit more. And that's very, very, um, deleterious to the trust in the couple. Right. And so it's extremely damaging. So, um, also the other thing you want to consider is just how stable the partner is. If the partner is very fragile, um, if they are, um, you know, ill or pregnant or unstable or any of that, you, you, know, you don't want to put more of that on them during a time like that. So, there are, you know, certainly timing is an important, important component. You want them to have the support they need. Usually, what that means in, in my book is they need a therapist and a group, um, if possible, or at least some support people that they've identified in their lives that can be there for them. Um, because, you know, they, they're going to need the support. So those would be the, some of the most dysfunctional ways, I think.
1: Yeah. Death by a million cuts, as you said, that I can just like feel that in my body. Yeah. <laughs> Painful process for having to keep hearing one detail and hearing another detail and then another week later hearing another detail. So I can understand and can feel why that would be so, um, harmful to, to the couple, especially to the betrayed betrayed partner. So, um, Taking a, a little journey through, through your book, as you can see, I have lots of, um, <laughs> tabs here, you know, in chapter four, in particular, you discuss emotional restitution and what exactly is that? And what places that have in the couple's healing journey, the restitution, such a strong word. Yeah.
2: So, um,
1: just prior to that, I'll jump up a,
2: a little bit because it'll help me explain that. So after the disclosure process, I want the partner to do, uh, I have the partners do an impact letter, which is basically um, writing out the, the pain points of the betrayal, what hurt them the most, and you know to really write it out in a way uh, that explains to the unfaithful party how painful it's been to them. And it's not an anger letter. It's a way to express uh, their grief and their pain and their sorrow around all of it. It's really important that the unfaithful party get it and really understand how this has hurt them because they can't really respond in a truly empathic manner unless they crawl inside their head for a little bit and really get what this experience has been like for them. And so that's what we ask them to do is really get this. And then what they can do with that is respond effectively and really show them that they get it. So the emotional restitution letter goes through like eight different dimensions of how this impacted the partner and asks them to respond. And it's a, basically it's kind of an informal amends kind of process where they can really share with the, with the party that with the betrayed partner, you know, I understand how much this hurt you. And it, it doing these kind of exercises can help bring a little bit of closure over time. You know, I mean, of course this pain is going to be there, but if it never, if the betrayed partner never feels really heard and the um, acting out partner never really Says, I'm sorry, in a genuinely um, and in in very um, clear and emphatic way, then it's hard to get beyond it. The partner really needs to see accountability and change and um, empathy and, uh, you know, f- feeling uh, remorse in order to have enough hope to get to continue in the relationship. And so it's an opportunity for the participating partner to, to express that to the betrayed partner in a meaningful way.
1: I'm going to skip ahead to something I wanted to to ask you um, around empathy. So there's some other questions I want to have had before that, but you, you mentioned empathy and how important is that in the process for the person who was um, the betrayer? And then I recall the model that you talked about that you had so beautifully and simply outlined. That was so easy to understand. And that was the the support model. Could you Mm -hmm. walk us through that a little bit?
2: Yeah, sure. Sure. So it's a very straightforward and simple uh, little tool that the participating partner can do to help the betrayed partner through their pain and their hurt. So basically um, when the betrayed partner is triggered, their PTSD gets triggered. So something comes up around the betrayal. They're hurting. There's a reminder. Maybe the affair partner tries to contact the unfaithful party, or they found something else that reminded them of the betrayal or something like that. So the betrayed partner gets upset. And um, typically the unfaithful partners don't know very well how to respond. Um, they will try to uh, minimize, gloss over it, you know, and try to, you know, they, they just want it to go away, right? But that is uh, completely <laughs> ineffective in terms of a, a response. That's not what the betrayed partner needs in the moment. So what I ask them to do is when the betrayed partner comes forward is that the participating partner just first of all. The, so it's a, an acronym. Support. S U P P O R T. So the S is you just stop and give them your undivided attention. You treat it as important and stop whatever you're doing and show them that this that their feelings matter. So that's the first step. Usually, if they can get the first two steps going going in the right direction, the rest of it will flow. <laughs> so the the U. Is understand, and what I mean by understand is really get it. So I ask them to actively listen and reflect. So you saw that they tracked down my new phone number, and you saw the text. And what did it say? And what are you thinking about it? And how are you feeling about it? And you know, when did this happen? And what's going on for you? So they are not even thinking about a response at first. And what I try to explain to my couples is every time this happens, it's an opportunity for you guys to connect. It's an opportunity for you to show him or her that you are different, that you are going to respond differently, that you take this seriously, right? So you really want that to understand. And then the P's in the model are provide support or provide validation and provide empathy. You know, I'm so sorry that you have to go, you know, that this is going on. I'm so sorry that you're having to go through this or that this came up today. You know, I totally get it why you would feel that way. Right. And then the O is open, be open and honest if the person has any questions. So if they are, so did you give them the number? No, I blocked them. I have no idea how they got my number. You just answer as honestly as possible provide verification whenever you can. So you're uh, open and honest. Um, The R is demonstrate remorse and accountability. So you want to show remorse. And then the T is touch. So, and that's only if the partner is open because, you know, a cuddle can go a long way in mending a situation when it's right. So, you know, somebody who, and, and, you know, at the beginning, you know, when the partner is still distrustful, you know it takes many times for the for that kind of responding to start to have an impact so i just tell my participating partners you have to do it over and over and over again and respond in that manner that's very sensitive and mindful of their ptsd and what's going on with them and you do it again and again and again and over time it will start to get better and what will happen is when you're honest you're transparent you are empathic and you are demonstrating, giving them a lot of reassurance, when that's happening, the safety seeking goes down, right? The, you know, the, all of a sudden they start to feel better, their PTSD symptoms go down. So really it's in both parties' best interest, right? Because once they, you know, it, they'll both be responding, in, you know, to one another in a, in a better way. So it's a, I found it to be very useful for couples to try that model, yeah.
1: I think it's very useful, and especially as you walked us through it, I think if couples are listening to it and they really want to both, do the healing journey, to get to that process, um, to conquer betrayal, it, it, it's very important. Um, so I want to go back to a question that I actually had in, in chapter five, because the, the support model for those that are going to purchase the, the book is um, in the later chapters. But in chapter five, you discussed lingering trauma. And what does that look like? And how does that show up in the healing process, the lingering trauma that you mentioned in chapter five?
2: Well, I'm just saying, you know, one of the things I just emphasize is we, you know, this is a long-term process. So I look at this as a three to five-year process. Sometimes when people are healing from betrayal, so, you know, the acting out party will be like, you know, I've done everything, I've, I've changed everything, and it's, you know, and yet he or she is still so mad at me, right? And, it, it, you know, there's kind of this expectation that this is going to get better quickly, but that is not how this works. And, and, you know, sometimes that sounds discouraging to people, but it's, it's really important to be realistic that this is a long haul and this is a long-term journey because you have, when you've had so much disrupted trust, it, you have to really, again, demonstrate these changes and demonstrate this new behavior for a long time. And then you can kind of reestablish that connection. So, you know, this trauma and this betrayal, it just doesn't get forgotten easily. And so it it really requires patience on the part of both parties. And in in the initial stages, it it can be rocky for a little while. And that's just a
1: realistic, you know, outlook around this so patience and consistency and it almost i almost get this picture in my head it's like a, a zigzag um so there's not going to be a linear approach to the the healing process but as long as the couple continues to move forward and and understands that these things are going to come up and it's part of the healing process it's normal
2: Right. Two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step
1: back. <laughs> That's how it typically looks. <laughs> That's how some people look like when they're dancing too. <laughs> um, so so then for someone listening, um, kind of talking about using that word that you just mentioned, realistic, what would be some things or ways that the partner who did the betraying can do that may be helpful, that may not be helpful, that can even set the couple back? Right.
2: So there's a lot of ineffective things that uh, participating partners do. One of the most common ones I see is blame shifting. So, um, you know, it's, well, if you, like, for example, well, if you had been more sexually available or if you wouldn't be such a nag, I wouldn't have gone outside the relationship, right? So there's, you know, that's just not um, a helpful Type of response. So, one of the things that I, I you know, um, I always mention is, you know, all couples have some dysfunction, and both parties have a role in that dysfunction, right? But that being said, during the, you know, right after a betrayal, the betrayal kind of really supersedes the, the pain of the betrayal supersedes some of the other dysfunctions and the other issues that are going on in the relationship. So it's not really helpful to point out the faults of the other party in the early stages, because that betrayal is kind of, you know, it just, it it clouds the whole picture of the relationship. So you have to do some healing around that. And then once you get to a little bit more stable place, you can pick up your shovel and go to work on some of the things that aren't making you happy. Um, at a later stage in time. So I try not to have the participating partners deflect um, responsibility onto the partner early on that doesn't go over very well. Um, So I, you know, try to have them stick with taking accountability initially and waiting until things are a little bit more stable and then addressing it. So that's one of them, you know, ongoing lies in gaslighting, that is a huge you know if there's even one of the things that sometimes happens is um, you know people will have you know um, you know even little things, little little small lies that might come up later blow the whole trust because you know I see I, it's another affirmation you see I can't trust you, right? And so ongo- any, you know any time that, that you see continued lies, that's going to you know be a big step back. So those are probably two of the biggest ones. Um, another one is uh, what I call stonewalling, which is comes from uh, Dr. John Gottman's work. And uh, basically what that is is when the partner is, comes to you or is asking information, and this is more common in men. But um, what happens is men get uh, escalated. um, Their uh, physiology gets elevated. They get more flooded emotionally. And stonewalling is actually an effort to calm down. So they'll turn their back and withdraw and, you you know, try to withdraw from an argument. And that drives partners crazy. <laughs> so that is typically not a very effective response either. So if you are getting flooded, you know, ask for to take a timeout and then come and say, "I will come back in five minutes and we can talk when I feel a little more calm, something like that, that could be another strategy that could be used, for example.
1: I would imagine that when um, someone stonewalls um, in order to help themselves, that that may whole nother conversation, but it may uh, incite the abandonment wound and the other partner, which then can create a whole nother um, cycle courageous love, a couple's guide to conquering a betrayal is a must for couples that are coming back from betrayal and want to save their relationship. Dr. Stephanie Carnes is a well renowned, respected uh, clinician and expert in this field. So you want to learn from the best. And obviously you can, um, has other books that can help, help you as well. So with that being said, Stephanie, um, Dr. Carnes, where is the best way that people can find you, um, that want to purchase the book or just follow you? Yeah. So I
2: have a uh, uh, Facebook. They can follow me on Facebook. Um, the book is available on Amazon,
1: so it's pretty easy to find. Um, so yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate you and joining us on Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey, Dr. Stephanie Carnes, and that is with an F. So follow her on Facebook and purchase any of her material or recommend it to someone that you may know. Thank you for joining us today.
0: Thank you for tuning in. Let's Talk About It can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Janie Lacy, for another edition of the show next week.